Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Dave Edwards, president of Earthbound Homes in San Jose, California. It's easy to be successful in a great economy. You can get away with a lot of bad habits, lack of systems, and high overhead. But when the economy contracts and job sizes shrink and margins erode, well, those bad habits will start having a huge impact on your company's performance. Focusing on the right things when times are good is the key to recession-proofing your business. And Dave is going to share what those things are in just a minute. You are causing a major disturbance on my time. If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? Hi, I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. You sure are. Hey there, how are you? Doing good. How are you? Good. It's summer. What's not to like? You know? uh, I, I like the spring and the fall, personally. Some, ah, the, the, the extreme temperatures of this summer know. and winter. I don't know. You know, and it, it's like, for me, it's like... It's summer, it's beautiful, sunshining, but we know that there's going to be a downturn in the weather coming up in a couple of <laughs> what months. A, what a segue. Yeah, what oh a segue. my gosh, that was painful. <laughs> I had to search for that one a little bit. <laughs> that's painful. But, you know, that's what we're going to be talking about today because, you know, Dave, this Dave Edwards, is our member, he's uh, fantastic. He's done some great things. And, you know, I've watched him improve his company just to significant degrees. So I'm very excited about this. So shall we kick it off? Kick away. All right. Dave Edwards is the founder and leader of Earthbound Homes, a home building and remodeling company located in the Silicon Valley of California. Until he joined Remodelers Advantage Roundtables in 2014, Dave spent the preceding 12 years learning all the different ways to not build a strong, profitable construction company. But he now has turned things around, and he is hitting some metrics that are fantastic. So let's hear a little bit about his journey. Welcome, Dave. Hello. How's it going? Good, good. Thank you so much for being with us. You know, when we were talking the other day and you were sharing some of the things that, has, that have, some of the results that have transpired in your company over the last couple of years, it was so compelling to me, though. So I'm really thankful that you are willing to share your journey a bit with us. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. So tell us a little bit about your company, how big it is, your revenue, and maybe give it you know, a little bit of history. So um, we've been in business for 17 years. There's 15 people in the company, um, 10 of which uh, are project managers or assistant project managers. Yeah. Uh, we have four field people. We used to uh, do the majority of our frame and finish and foundation work, uh, but as the economy has grown and the construction market has tightened, uh, it just became uh, incredibly difficult to retain that kind of top talent you need to work in the field effectively and efficiently. And uh, we found that the quality of our work was going down, the cost of that work was going up. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we did what I think a lot of builders in our, in our area and maybe throughout the country are doing, which is switch to the uh, subcontractor mm -hmm. uh, model. And it really simplified what we do. Instead of having to be really good at 10 different things, we're, we just really have to be good at now taking care of our clients and taking care okay. of our people and 
and uh, nurturing our culture, mm -hmm. uh, which is turned into one of the really the the most deliberate uh, and impactful things that we've done over the last few years. Um, and it's had remarkable effects, not only kind of on, on our happiness, but on our, our pro productivity and our, and truthfully, our ability to make a profit. All um, that sort of tied in together, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we're in the land of Google and Apple and, and, uh, and those giant companies that really focus on culture. And mm -hmm. I don't think it's accidental that they've become these giant companies, uh, and really focused on the culture. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's. I think they go hand in hand, and we've certainly seen that. Um, as we focus more on culture, we focus uh, more on kind of the things that make sense, and then we really metricize everything uh, and look at the metrics and follow everything. And uh, you know, uh, when you when you find the right uh, recipe, everything kind of works out great. Now, before we go too far into some of those details, which I really I'm looking forward to share with the audience a little bit about who your clients are, what kind of jobs you do. I, you know, I know it's not necessarily uh, tied to the things you've accomplished, but just to give people a little bit more of a sense of what yeah. your company does. So uh, really our smallest job sizes are about half a million dollars. Um, our biggest job sizes are uh, three and a half to $5 million. Mm -hmm. uh, most of our, our clients are Silicon Valley um, uh, workers, uh, and you know, that, that covers a giant spectrum of, of different financial means. Mm -hmm. Uh, the projects that we do, like in San Jose, they average six or $700,000 and they're typically full gut remodels or okay. major rebuilds of existing houses with additions. Um, and then as you go up the peninsula towards Stanford and Palo Alto, the jobs get much larger, um, and the means of the owners get much larger. Okay. Uh, so okay. Uh, those get to be much bigger projects and much bigger houses, much bigger kind of renovations. And then we do new houses as well. So, you know, you've changed a lot since we've gotten to know one another, since you joined Roundtable. It's your outlook, the way, the way you think about your business, the way you're running your business. What's been your personal pathway to your success? I mean, you know, what have you done personally that's had an effect on your company? And made made you where you are today. Yeah, so that's a that's a, a really amazing uh, journey, and, and having lived it, it was um, something I couldn't anticipate when I first started the company. So I'd never actually worked in a construction company. Mm -hmm. uh, I started it because I liked building furniture, <laughs> uh, and you know I'm I'm a pretty well educated person, and I figured I could all figure it out, um, which was really a fool's errand. Uh, I mean, I'm a scientist by training, and so I was used to concentrating on details and data and really having it be a non-emotional um, ah. kind of aspect of, of thinking. And when I first started the company, I focused on learning how to build, learning how to build really well, and I missed the whole human component of, of this whole process. Uh, and then... Having been kind of ignorant to that, uh, I hit some clients that took advantage of my uh, naivete, uh, and the company almost went bankrupt in 2011 uh, because two client I wasn't smart enough to say no to the clients that I should have said no uh, to. Mm -hmm. And you know they say it's darkest just before the dawn. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
uh, some good friends of mine from Harrow Remodeling uh, had been telling me, including Iris Harrow herself many, many years ago, saying, you should join Remodeler's Advantage uh, and really learn how to do the business side of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, after after I almost went bankrupt, I, uh, I did. I joined Remodeler's Advantage and mm-hmm. uh, and really learned all the things that I didn't know about the business side of running a business. Uh, and then in 2017, in one of my Remodeler's Advantage groups, when I still was, I knew my numbers, but I didn't really know the human aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my uh, Remodeler's uh, Roundtables uh, team said, uh, as one of my commitments said, you should go to counseling to learn how to appreciate your successes. And of course, I was completely resistant to that idea. <laughs> Why do, you th- why do you think you were resistant to that? I mean, because you were, you were making steady steps forward. And obviously your peers could see that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's hardest to hear the things that you don't want to hear. Uh, and going to counseling has such a uh, negative connotation in our society. And um, it's so... Now I realize it's so, it's such a bad thing, right? Like counseling is really about finding happiness Mm -hmm. um, and about finding who you are and understanding your pathway to get to where you are now. And that's exactly what it did for me. And I, and I started counseling and it opened my mind to all the things that I didn't know. And I started reading uh, business books and, and kind of leadership books and self-help books like, like Jeremy Martin kind of uh, quantity, like 50 to 70 <laughs> books a year. Wow. Um, anytime I was in the car, I was listening to books and, and it was just a constant uh, stream of, of things that I had no idea to it. it opened my mind. And then, and then really the third of this triumvirate of, of effects on my, on who I was, was starting Sandler training, ah. um, which, uh, was mind altering. Um, and so what I ended up finding through counseling and books and, and Sandler was happiness, like this intrinsic happiness where I could no longer, I no longer associated what I did with, with happiness and who I was and the value of me as a person. And it allowed me to focus on everybody else. And, And that was the key. Um, it's, this is a, it's, it's a, it's a service industry. We're providing uh, the, the realization of dreams of our homeowners uh, and our architects and, and, and our people and everybody else. And when I was finally able to focus on everybody else's happiness because I was intrinsically happy, success just followed so, so greatly that it's just kind of overwhelmed me. Like the company is more successful now than, than I ever thought it could be. Uh, and really now I focus on making everybody happy. Um, our, our, our motto in our company is building a better way. Uh, and it's not just about building houses a better way. It's about building the system a better way and about building the experience of our clients and our architects and our, and our, the people that work for the, the company. It's about finding happiness for everybody. Uh, and it really resonates. It resonates with our architects. It resonates with our clients and our people. Um, it's been a, it's been an amazing pathway forward, uh, that, uh, I could never have imagined. Um, Mm -hmm. and I guess the last thing I would say is that it, 
it not only led to greater success in the in the office, but it, in my personal life, like my relationships with my kids and my wife are vastly superior to anything that I ever had imagined that I would be able to experience. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's an, an amazing thing of kind of mind altering, uh, realization. So give us a rough idea of when you say that, you know, without getting into numbers or any of the two, you know, confidential stuff of your business, of course, but tell us a little bit about what do you mean when you say success has come to you in, in such a um, magnificent way? What are some of the things that you have seen that have, that tell you, you know, that say success to you? Um, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I have people that, that tell me on a routine basis that I work with, uh, I look forward to coming into work on Monday, right? Like to me, uh, that says something, uh, that says something more than, than, uh, money or anything else. Uh, we have architects that are constantly telling us how, uh, great our experience, their experiences with our company. All of our clients are happy. Um, we make money now great. Uh, at a rate that I never thought we were going to. Um, uh, I get to go home and uh, I have a better, stronger relationship with my wife and my kids than I ever have. Uh, you know, everything in my life is, is better. Um, and I make, I make money, uh, to the point where I'm starting to uh, think about how I, I have a greater impact on the world. Nice. And I never thought about that before because I never had the financial means to do so. Yeah. So Great. Good. You know, that's a really good um, reason for a lot of people to want to have profitable companies so they can take some of that profits and give back to the world. So that's great. Now, is there any one thing, I mean, you going, going through this journey and finding your happiness – has been essential. Is there anything else, any other one thing that has made this happen and led to your success? Um, I think that's the start of it. I think everything else that you do on top of kind of finding your happy place mm -hmm. is because you're able to concentrate on things other than yourself. So uh, once I was able to find uh, what I was looking for, um, everything else was icing on the cake. Uh, so I was able to focus working on the business as opposed to working in the business. And now I spend 75% of my time working on the business because um, I have found people that are naturally uh, drawn to the company because of the culture that can do pretty much everything that uh, I used to have to do. Um, and I have people... One of the most amazing things that I've realized over the last two years is that uh, there are so many people out there that have better ideas than I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I can track them into the company, uh, they can actually make all the systems that I originally put together way, way better, better for them, better for the clients, better for the organization. And I don't have to do all the heavy lifting anymore. Great. Uh, and that was like such an incredible experience. And every time my team comes up with another great idea, uh, I, uh, I just kind of revel in the, in the celebration of that, of the team and what we're able to do. And now we actually have, uh, uh a process or a, a meeting every two weeks called the stop start meeting, which is where everybody, um, 
basically submits ideas about things that we can either start doing, we stop doing, or we modify how we're doing it Mm -hmm. to improve the company. And it is unbelievable uh, how good their ideas are uh, and how it's unbelievable that I didn't actually try to harvest that, those great ideas uh, previously. Um, But, you know, this is an evolutionary process for me, I think, just as much as it is for anybody else. And I'm learning every day. And that's part of the really incredible part of this whole process is being able to focus on making things better uh, every day. Now, it's it's one thing to be successful when the market is good. But what are you doing to prepare your company for a possible slowdown in the next couple of years? That that's a that's a, another great idea. So, um, the the two thousand eight two thousand ten um, recession really uh, mentally impacted me a lot. I saw a lot of my really good friends that um, had kind of taken me under their wing when I first started my company uh, go out of business, and, and they went out of business uh, not because uh, they couldn't get work. They went out of business because they didn't uh, accurately balance their income with their savings and with their overhead, and they hadn't learned how to monetize all of their people's work. So what we did was we make, we designed a system where we looked at the best way to add value to the client, and then we monetized that. So like our project management is build hourly to our clients. Um, and we go through the pre-construction process um, and we build that to the client, but it adds value to the client in every step. We, we strongly believe that if the client, the architect and the builder are all rowing in the same direction, that everybody um, uh, succeeds. And with that success, we should be paid for that, that kind of value add that we bring to the company. Mm-hmm. So we monetized um, all of our people. So we bill out similarly to a lawyer. When we're working on a project, we're billing out to that client. Um, and so the project managers uh, become a, a source of income. Um, we reduced our markup, uh, but, but made it so that we were no longer having to absorb the costs of project managers. And as I've talked to numerous of my roundtables uh, uh, cohort, um, the subcontractor base in many of these metropolitan areas is getting so tight that the subcontractors are hiring anybody that they can to fill shoes and then sending them out to the job and management, not only for the subcontractors, but for the general contractors is getting to be an enormous amount of, of extra labor that we don't anticipate uh, when we bid out a project, right? And some trades are fine and some trades are absolutely horrible. And guys that we've been using for 10 years to do stucco or drywall are totally falling apart mm. because their quality is going down, their costs are going up, uh, and they're only able to put on two guys onto a job instead of seven guys onto a job. So the schedules uh, elongate. So um, when we charge project management, we're able to deal with all those things, um, charge that to the client. The client gets what they're asking for at the, at the bare minimum cost so that we don't have to charge a whole lot for everybody when it's only a few subs here or there that need extra management. Okay. So that's a value add to the client. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's about, um, setting up a collaboration for the longest period of time. Um, 
people in my RA group, especially the design build companies mm -hmm. have said, oh yeah, uh, we get all hundred percent of the details done before we start a project. Um, and, but in, when we're working with an architect, very, very, very infrequently, can we get anywhere close right. to that? It was more like 10 or 15% of the details before they wanted to start construction. So we really had, um, similar to, uh, uh, Kyle's um, podcast many months ago, we really went to all of our architects uh, and said, hey, we want to do pre-construction. We want to help you develop a better package that's tighter, that has less unknowns. Um, and for that, we're going to get paid by the client, but we're going to basically value add to the architect's package to, to their designs. And we pre-clear kind of our ideas with them mm -hmm. so that we're not uh, as Sandler says, painting a seagull in the architect's design mm -hmm. uh, or drawing. <laughs> um, and what that does is it makes the architect's projects better. Uh, we do all that before construction starts. So it reduces the number of variables that we have going into construction, mm -hmm. which reduces the number of change orders we have during construction, mm -hmm. which speeds up construction, which increases uh, the money flowing through the company, which then reduces the amount of overhead that is taken away or profit that is taken away by overhead so it's like this 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 total symbiosis between the clients uh the architects uh our company and our subcontractors such that we can get our subs into a job they can do their work and then they can leave and to do that we have to communicate at a much higher level than we used to um, and so all of that together um, has allowed us to reduce our our markups to increase not only our gross profit but our net profit because we have more dollars coming into the company but our 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 overhead so three years ago our overhead was like 25 percent of income wow now our overhead is 6.8 percent oh my gosh so you took all those overhead costs and moved them up above the line and then began to charge the client for all of those different tasks and duties and so on right. from everybody right. and so then then we made a profit the client got a better deal because they were paying for only what they were using and not for for somebody else's right. uh, overutilization of resources so it was really uh, fairness all the way around and then the projects got done faster with fewer change orders which made the clients happy right. so now we look at uh, how can we change our systems and modify our systems to make it uh, easier for our clients and less stressful for our clients. Um, and that really came from, we had a client uh, that we were building a house we call the iPhone house because it's it was built for a guy that's a, uh, a higher up at Apple and it's really smooth and super utilitarian, um, but it's all about simplicity. Mm -hmm. And he's this incredibly smart uh, man that is like, if you can make this easy for us, it's a better experience for us. And so we've really just focused on increasing the experience to our clients. Uh, and, and a goal is client happiness. Like that's one of our core, core principles is how can we make this a better experience for our clients? And, and similar to uh, some of the other podcasts, uh, our clients are our architects, there are subcontractors, there are our own people, and there are our clients, the actual homeowners themselves. So any way we can increase happiness and increase the the experience uh, for any of those trade or any of those um, people or or, or uh, shareholders within the the project we do. Okay.
Dave, so obviously for recession-proofing your company, you've made a commitment to improving some processes and, and procedures and systems in your company. And you've also um, addressed the overhead issue, which is a, a huge impact when, when the time's starting to tighten up. But you also mentioned um, when we talked earlier that, that you identified some bad habits that you, you made adjustments to. What Could you name a couple of, of those bad habits that you guys identified and how you rectified it? Yeah, how many hours do we have? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I guess the first, the first and biggest bad habit was um, unbilled uh, labor. So uh, we were spending, uh, and it actually some years it made the difference between being a profitable company and being a not profitable ah. company. And it was about project management hours that were not billed to the client. Uh, I mean, literally one year, when we only had three project managers, it was $168,000 of unbilled labor that went into the to expenses instead of into cost of goods sold. And that's like, that's huge. Like that's a huge amount of money. So that's the first thing is, is figuring out, as Victoria said, what we could take from expenses and stick up in, in cost of goods sold. That was, that was a huge thing. And we saw, our overhead dropped from, like I said, 25% down to almost or a little less than 7%. Um, and, you know, so if you just think about the math, if you have a 30% net profit and you go from 25% uh, overhead to 7% overhead, that's an 18% delta. So if you were at 0% profitability before, you're now at 17% profitability or 18% profitability after that. And that's, that's amazing, right? Now you're actually making real income. So that was the first big thing is, is looking at every thing in expenses and figuring out if it, was a, if it was a benefit to the client, if it was a benefit to the client, we moved it into expenses and directly billed the client for it. Mm -hmm. So that was the number one thing. And that was, that was huge. The second thing was look was actually getting rid of our field crews. Um, labor becomes a giant, uh, a giant money sink when it's not 100% efficient. And what we found was that subcontractors cost us more, but they did a better job, which required less management and less fixes afterwards. It's kind of the Toyota way, right? It's it's doing it right the first time and then not having to go back and fix it. Um, so that was the second thing. And that was another huge thing for us because now we could scale easily. And what we've seen over the last two years is we've doubled in size each of the last two years. Wow. Um, we did it with not adding the commensurate amount of people in the office. So our overhead is actually 20% um, less this year than it was two years ago. And yet our revenue is four times as much as it was two years ago. Uh, and so when you think about all that, that means that you're now making a lot more profit with a lot fewer people. Right. Um, and, you know, that's that's that balance. It's I guess the one thing that I learned when I first joined RA was knowing my numbers. It was about thinking about about what my numbers meant and then thinking about how I modified those to give me a better bottom line. Mm -hmm. um, and when I combine that with increasing the kind of efficiency of the organization and the happiness of, of my clients, suddenly sales started becoming more, uh, more 
uh, automatic and my clients started referencing us more and our architects started referencing us us more. Uh And I was able to bring better people into the organization because now I could afford better people. Nice. So like we live in the Silicon Valley, which is one of the most expensive places uh, in the country. And I pay my people better than anybody else in the country that I know of. Like every one of my people is paid better than anybody else that I've heard of in the entire country. Not only because the cost of living is more expensive here, because I want the best people. Right? Oh, yeah. I want the best people to come work for me and I want them to be super happy. Mm-hmm. And then I never want them to leave. Right. And and what we're finding is that um, the hardest part now is finding the right talent that uh, is is willing to come to to California and to the Bay Area. Um, and so if you look in and another thing that I really think is amazing is um, we actually have amazing diversity in our organization. Mm-hmm. So we're almost 50% women. Mm. Um, we're almost um, 50% of the people were born outside of the United States. Oh, wow. um, we have an amazing kind of uh, ability to get uh, any opinion that we want from multiple different angles. Mm-hmm. So I come up with an idea and I say, Hey, what does everybody think? And, and half of our team has a completely different idea than I do. Mm-hmm. And often it's a much better idea than I have. Mm-hmm. And right. so now we have this ability to, to pick from all these different brain trusts uh, to make everything that we do a lot better than it was before. Um, so, so back to the recession uh, idea, knowing your numbers is first, knowing how to move stuff from expenses to cost of goods sold is a second. Um, and the third is when I don't have to do all the management of the company, I can go out and I can talk to architects and I can talk to interior designers and real estate professionals and I can develop relationships. If you're a design build, maybe it's about spending time, more time marketing mm-hmm. and, and kind of going to your customer base and, and doing more outreach. But it's about establishing relationships with the people who are still going to be working when the recession hits and in, in expanding your your base. So mm-hmm. we used to work for primarily three architects. Now we work with over 11 architects, ah, right? So now we have a much bigger uh, uh, customer base to pull off of. Uh, and that's going to pay dividends when the recession hits because, mm-hmm. uh, and then I, I talk to all of my architects and I say, how can we be a better company for you? Great. Who is doing something better than we're doing it? tell me what we need to do to change. And then we change and, and we listen to our architects and we do, if they say, Hey, we, we like this better done. It, it's done. We want to be, and I say that we want to be your preferred builder. Tell us what we need to do to become a better builder. Uh, and it's, it's paying dividends. That's awesome. Now I have one last question about what some of the structural things are you doing to prepare for a downturn? And that has to do with cash as you're uh, as you are growing your profits and go, now when you're into a nice steady rhythm of being quite profitable each year what's your philosophy in terms of making sure you have liquidity in case of a downturn yeah um so uh hoard cash uh is the two word uh answer to that <laughs> um so i'm a firm believer that um your income should maintain your lifestyle yes. and that bonuses should be just that they should be bonuses. So I don't, um, there's a book, um, uh, shoot, I can't remember the name of it. I'll remember later. 
Um, but there's a oh, called Drive, D-R-I-V-E, mm-hmm. by uh, Dale Pink. Or Daniel Pink. Daniel, Daniel Pink. Pink, yep. Um, and he basically talks about uh, not giving um, bonuses based on people doing their jobs. You give bonuses based on on happiness or based on something that's not associated with people doing their job. And, and the correlation is that if you give them a bonus based on them doing their job, they're going to expect a bonus for doing their job. Mm-hmm. So don't tie it to their job. Tie it to you're, you're feeling happy or the company's <laughs> doing great or something other than them doing their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fantastic book. So we give bonuses uh, when times are good because we feel like sharing the wealth of the company. Right. Um, and now people are incentivized to do their job because they get paid to do their job, not because they're thinking about getting a bonus. And yeah. then that bonus becomes like, it can come in August or it can come in February. Right. Oh, yeah. And and then it becomes, Oh, well we could put this into the 401k or we could put this into our kids' educational fund or whatever, but they're not depending on it to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So that's something that is about uh, planning for the future and about um, getting our people uh, happy with with where we're at. Mm-hmm. I actually forgot the question. <laughs> about, ca- about your philosophy of cash and what yeah. do you have a limit so, for? You know, do you have like yeah, a- so I, sorry. So I live on my salary, um, and I'm not the most expensive person in the company, uh, and I don't depend on the income of the company to pay for my lifestyle. So all of our cash goes into a bank account so that when the recession hits, not if the recession hits, but when the recession hits, uh, we're able to pay for our team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I consider my team, not just my overhead. I consider it all of my people, uh, because I've worked really hard to put together an incredible team of incredible people. And we want to make sure that even though they're billed now and cost a good sold, that we can retain those people. Uh, during the downturn. But here's the here's the kicker is that we've designed our model so that we could reduce our markup to 8% and still be profitable. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, that is going to have to wait for the next session, but wow. So David, it's not if we're going to do the lightning round. It's when we're going to do the lightning round. And we're I'm gonna, waiting for this. We're going to do that now. And now, here's a Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap! Okay, we're going to add 60 seconds to the clock. To the quack. To the quack. Are you ready? <laughs> let's, <laughs> yeah. do, let's do that again. You ready? Yes, sir. What is your favorite business book and why? So, I love a lot of business books, but the one that made the biggest impact on my life uh, and on on the company is a book called Sandler's Success Principles by David Mattson. Mm -hmm. And specifically, um, one section in that book uh, is called the IR Theory, and it's about uh, finding intrinsic happiness. And when you find intrinsic happiness, everything else kind of comes. Uh, I, I love the book so much that I actually bought 36 copies of it and I've distributed <laughs> it to all of my people and architects that are struggling and friends of mine. So it's a great book. If you weren't the president of Earthbound Homes, what do you think you'd be doing? I'd still be a scientist in, uh, in academia uh, studying cancer biology. Mm. What are you not very good at? Uh, there's a hundred thousand things I'm not very good at. Um, <laughs> sweating the details is something I'm not very good at. 
but I, I hire people that are good at that stuff, so yeah. I don't have to be good at it anymore. Your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? So I have a Tesla. <laughs> so I clean that thing more than uh, more than anything else. I think I clean it more than I bathe, in fact. What's the last video game you played? Oh, um, Call of Duty. Um, nice. Do you apply the five-second rule to food that's dropped? I guess that depends on where it's dropped. <laughs> uh, at the gym, on the gym floor, no. Right. Uh, my office, yeah. Have you ever been told you look like someone famous? Yes. Who? Lance Armstrong. Oh, I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can see that. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, this has been awesome. Thanks so much, David, for talking to us and sharing a bit about your journey and the things that have made your company as successful as it is today. It's wonderful to hear and to, to know what you've achieved and to sort of see you reveling in that a bit. So thank you for being here. My pleasure. This has been fun. Now, before you go, though, we have to share with our listening audience your five words of wisdom and why they resonate with you. Uh, yeah. Find intrinsic happiness success follows very good very good so why is that well that's just the, the your whole philosophy that you've seen come to life right it is it it uh it made all the difference in my life in every in every respect of my life that's a wonderful thing well thank you again for being with us and being part of roundtables and we will be seeing you shortly for your fall roundtable meeting i can't wait all right thanks david thank you bye you know, it's really interesting for me to hear about the details of the journey that we know goes on with all of our members, but to hear someone talk about the change in mindset and that leads directly to the change in results. It's kind of cool. It's very cool. It's And it's amazing how many people have come right to the brink of, of virtual bankruptcy before they are able to crack the ship. You know, it's it's more frequent than not, mm-hmm. I've, I, I've come to find. Yeah, it's probably something like, you know, it's the last. They, they, they know they can't continue on the way that they have right. been. They've right. got to change something. Right. You know, it's a last straw, as they say. I, I very much like the idea of not bonusing on, on anything related to the job. Um, I'm extremely happy right now, so I was wondering if I could get a bonus. <laughs> I think it means that I need to be happy, so make me happy, and then we'll talk. Maybe. Oh, oh, well, I could buy you a beer or something. <laughs> yeah, Will that get go. me a bonus? Uh, no. Oh, all right. Two well. beers, maybe. We'll talk. <laughs> uh, it's good stuff. Yes, he, very he, much. He's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody you know, that gave up being, um, I almost said Scientology. Uh, <laughs> Uh, being no, a scientist, a yeah. yeah, slightly different. But uh, being a scientist to to be a remodeler is a pretty crazy swing. But you know, I, I think he's also very smart about being prepared. He's making changes in, in the way his pricing is put together, the way he's billing his clients, the way he's collecting money. So that's all very practical. He hired really great people, paid more for them, but that'll pay off because of the efficiencies and the productivity and the smarts of their ideas on how to get through those challenging times. Plus the the uh, extending his network to more and more architects to build that out. And just taking that money, having the money there to provide that security uh, security net uh, when, the, when the downturn does come. So a lot of good, good healthy steps there to be taken. Very good stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, that was another wonderful episode. With another wonderful member. Yes. I have a lot of fun doing this. Yep. Me too. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, 
we want to thank you, as always, for tuning in week in and week out. I am Mark Harari, Vice President of Remodelers Advantage. And I'm Victoria Downing. Thank you so much for being here. Did you want me to do the whole bit? Nah, it's fine. <laughs> you never said that before. I know, I was just winging it. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.